to Is This a Safe Space? I am your hostess with the mostest and fearless leader, Ashley. Um, If you are new here, there are three things you should know about me. I am a recent widow, solo dolo mom, and badass bitch. So, usually before I record these, I write out a, like, script of what I want to talk about, what I want to touch on, so I can stay on track. And this time, I didn't do that. This time, I wanted to come to you guys straight, no chaser, (laughs) and just kind of just run with it and see where it goes. I do know what I want to talk about. I think that I'm ready to talk about my husband's death. Okay, so this time last year is when things started to get crazy in the U.S. Um, You know, coronavirus had hit and they were starting to shut things down. Um, And Joel had decided that Well, he had told me that he was a chef and he had told me that the owner of his restaurant that he worked at had said, you know, if anyone is scared to work, then let him know. And he would completely understand if they want to, you know, stay home and just collect unemployment to be safe and that they had a job when they got back. So my husband, Joel, he was the executive chef at his restaurant so or at their restaurant um so I was really surprised when he decided to stay home and I was surprised that they let him decide to stay home but um he decided that he would just you know stay home and collect unemployment and I was like okay cool you know that made me feel better because I you know, have anxiety, and I I didn't, you know, I was glad that I wasn't going to have to, you know, worry about him, and worry about, worry about him, you know, catching coronavirus, and possibly bringing it home, and, you know, exposing me, and um, my in-laws at the time lived in the house with us, and, you know, they are of a particular age, and I didn't want him to expose them, or our kids, and so I was glad when he decided to stay home. And it, it started out, you know, okay. Like we were getting along fine and he was helping with the kids and something just changed. Um, I can't pinpoint exactly in those three months when things changed and you know how they say hindsight is 2020 um Joel suffered from bipolar disorder but he would not take medication for it he self he self-medicated essentially by you know smoking weed and I was fine with that you know I don't have a problem with people smoking weed I don't particularly like to do it but I don't have a problem with other people doing it if that's I know that weed helps with anxiety, it helps with depression, so, like, I get it. So, 
I, I, I didn't, I didn't mind that, but he, 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 he self-medicated with, with marijuana. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Um, he, so, okay, sorry. I'm thinking. So I don't know when things changed between us while he was home, but hindsight is 2020. And if I'm being completely honest, I believe that Joel's bipolar disorder it never goes away but I believe that it kicked back in about four years ago like 2017 um the reason why I say that is because in 2017 he had been working at the restaurant for like a year almost a year and his behavior just kind of changed like he was short-tempered and he was never like a you know he is his patience and his temper were never like great but he was short-tempered with the kids and in 2017 I was pregnant with our son and our son was born in 2018 on my birthday still kind of salty about that but um I noticed in 2017, looking back on our relationship is when things changed. He started hanging out with the younger crowd at his job. He started going out to the bars with them and like drinking and, um, you know, I would question him like, what are you doing? Why are you 30 something years old hanging out with 25 year olds who are hanging out with 21 year olds who are hanging out with 18 year olds? Like this, what's going on with you? And he flipped it and made it about me. Um, When I confronted him about, you know, why are you going out? Like, why do you all of a sudden want to go hang out at bars? Like, you've never been that guy. You've, you know, my my husband struggled with um, substance abuse in his adolescence. And, you know, even at his peak of like wilding out with drugs, alcohol was never his drug of choice so when he started drinking I was like what are you doing like what's going on and he flipped it and he said that this that going out and hanging out with his friends is something that he always wanted to do but he never felt like he could do it because of me because I, he felt as though I would not like that and that I would flip out and be like, no, you can't go out with your friends. And, you know, he thought, you know, he just, he just thought I wouldn't like it. So he never brought it up. And I was just kind of sitting there when he told me, I was just kind of sitting there like, so you mean to tell me for like 12 years? Because at this point we have been together for 12 years. I said, so you mean to tell me for 12 years of our relationship you've been wanting to go and hang out at the bars with your friends and you're just now telling me that you know that that this is something that you've been wanting to do for all these years and I've been the one you've I've been the one stopping you from doing that so because I didn't want to be that wife who you know, quote unquote, doesn't let their husband do anything or wants their husband to always be up under them. I tried to make peace with the fact that he wanted to go and hang out with his friends and, you know, 
have a few drinks at the bar and then come home. Um, but he was getting like sloppy drunk when he first started going out with his friends at the bars he was getting like fucked up and one night I went to go pick him up from work and he was at the bar and he was just so he was like just so fucking drunk like ridiculously drunk and I don't like being around sloppy drunk people like so I was I instantly got upset instantly and our daughter was in the car you know Joel got in the car and I'm driving home and he is like pull over I gotta throw up so he threw up in my in our car I pulled over and he threw you know did the rest of it outside of the car and I waited until the next day when he had sobered up and I was like you are never allowed to be that drunk around our daughter again ever it is unacceptable I said I had to tell our what was Greer like six at the time um maybe yeah six I had to tell our six-year-old daughter that you were drunk and that's why you threw up in the car in front of her and we had to pull over and let you throw out throw up out the side of the car. I said, our kids should never see us like that. That's ridiculous. And he agreed. So after that happened, the drinking didn't necessarily stop, but he stopped getting, you know, sloppy drunk. Um, and the going out with his friends, it just it just kind of continued and you know, as, as I had more children, because I I had Joey in 2018, and then four months after I had Joey, I found out I was pregnant with our youngest child, Ryland. And his behavior towards me, looking back, just got more and more erratic. Like, we would have really like sweet and tender moments and you know where he seemed like himself and then other moments where I was like who are you you know what is going on with you and I hate that hindsight is 2020 because I I saw I see where it changed and I have I don't have the power to go back in and stop it or try to make it better or try to make it different but I, I would have to say that that's what his by his bipolar disorder had kicked in like full blown or not not full blown but it was it was starting to get the better of him again um so flash forward to 2020 we're back to 2000 last year and you know Joel is home with me and the kids and he is at first everything was cool and he, I can't remember what, where, when it changed, but it changed. And he started to, you know, he was smoking more weed and I was okay with that because I was like, you know, well, he's home, like <laughs> he's home and he's bored and there's nothing else to do. So we can't go out, you know, so of course he's smoking more weed. And then I, he was drinking more and 
I was like, okay, well, of course he's drinking more. There's nothing else to do. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. You know, he's bored. So of course he's drinking more. And, but it was just, he had started sleeping all day and staying up all night. And he wasn't, he just stopped, pretty much just stopped helping me with the kids. Um, No matter how much I complained, I I complained to him about it. I yelled at him about it. I, you know, I would give him the silent treatment. I would, you know, do nothing. I, I, I exhausted all options on, you know, what can I get you to do to make you realize that your behavior is fucked up? You are home with me. There is no reason why you should not be helping me with these three babies or, you know, our oldest is not a baby, but, you know, she'll, she's, she's my baby. But I was just like, why are you not helping me with these kids? And I just couldn't see that he had relapsed. I didn't see it. Um, Joel's drug of choice was heroin. Um, but I saw no, I didn't see, and, and I've, I've been with Joel through a relapse before. So he relapsed before, um, we had our oldest child. So about 11 years ago, she'll be 10 this year. So about 11, 12 years ago, he had relapsed and got himself together before, um, we had her. Um, and I just didn't see any of the signs and I carry a little bit of guilt about that and some some moments I feel more guilty than others but and I think the reason why I didn't see it is because we have three children we have three children that he was not helping me with so I didn't have time to pay attention to, you know, what he, what he was doing to, to a certain extent. Like I saw it, but I didn't see it. And again, I just blamed his behavior on being, being home and bored and we can't do anything. We can't hang out. We can't, you know, we can't, we can't do anything. Um, I would have to say that his behavior got worse. So, so okay. So March is when March is when everything shut down. I feel like we were good at the beginning of April, and then at the end of April, shit kind of went left, and it got worse in May. And the reason why it got worse in May is because he was permanently laid off from his job. And I remember that day, his bought the owner of the restaurant actually drove out here, drove to our house to talk to him. And they spoke outside and, you know, Joel came back in and basically, you know, told me and his dad that he had been let go. And... I 
I had been asking him the entire time he was home, like, are you sure you're, are you sure the owner is okay with you not being there? You know, are you positive? Are you, have you called and, you know, check to see if they need you? Have you, have you been talking to him? Have you been letting him know that you're, you know, have you been letting him know what's going on here? You know, have you been in, in, in communication with them to let them know, like, yes, I'm not there, but if you need me to come back, I will. And, you know, he was assuring me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Brad, the Brad is the owner. Brad's fine with it. He's fine with it. And I was just like, okay. But I had this gut feeling that it wasn't okay, which is why I kept coming back and asking him, like, are you sure? I, I swear I was asking him like every two weeks, are you sure it's okay? Are you sure it's okay? And he kept saying it was. I kept just, I just had this feeling like this is not okay. I was like, I, I kept telling myself Joel was going to lose this job. Um, but I wouldn't say it to him because I didn't want him to worry. And I, because of my anxiety, I am a bit of a, I'm a worrier, you know, and I didn't want to freak him out. So I was keeping it to myself. And, but yes, I had a feeling that he was going to get let go from his job. So it was after Mother's Day weekend, after our daughter's first birthday, our youngest first birthday, he came, he, he was permanently laid off from his job and that's when his behavior got even worse like he he really wasn't help he really wasn't helping I just was sleeping all day and the staying up all night and wasn't helping with the kids and I just did I did not know how to shake him out of this and at the beginning of June, um, I started to babysit my nephews. Joel's brother has two kids. They actually had their two kids <laughs> the same way that we had our last two kids. Their, their two kids are about a year apart, are almost exactly a year apart. Their youngest is born a, like a year and two weeks <laughs> after their first um, so, and you know, daycare is expensive and I'm, I'm, I, I'm a stay, I was a stay at home. I am a stay at home mom. So they asked me would I babysit and they would pay me. So I said, um, I, you know, I said, sure. Um, so they started Charlie and Elliot, that, that's their names. They started coming to me at the beginning of June. And so at this point I have my oldest, I have my two, my two babies, plus two extra babies, and and no with no help from with no help from Joel, none. When I tell you that Joel was sleeping all day long, Joel would get up around. Joel would go to bed as soon as I woke up, and I would get up around eight. And once the once the baby started, once Charlie and Elliot started, I had to be up at they would get dropped off around eight between eight between eight and eight thirty so I would get up at like seven forty five eight o'clock to make sure that I was awake to let them in so Joel would be asleep on the couch I would get up I would come downstairs the babies would get dropped off and he would go upstairs and sleep and he'd wake up around three four 
depending on how much I was bitching (laughs) about him being asleep. Um, it was just really, it was just really, just really fucking awful. And I was trying not to nag him because I knew he was struggling with getting laid off from his job. I knew he was struggling with depression. I mean, we all were. I was struggling with depression too. Like I'm a homebody, but you know, I don't want to be like trapped in my house. I just choose, I want to be able to choose to stay at home. We were trapped in the house, you know, like we couldn't go anywhere. The only places you could go were like the grocery store. So I, I, I was, I, I was trying to be understanding about the fact that he was depressed and he got even more depressed after he was permanently laid off because I'm almost positive that he did not think that was going to happen. So I just, I was trying not to drive him crazy. But in trying not to drive him crazy, I was driving myself crazy. Because here I am taking care of four kids under the age of three. And trying to make sure my daughter is doing her schoolwork. And thank God for my mother-in-law, who, you know, used to be a teacher. Because Joel was asleep, you know, she would be with... (laughs) our our oldest so I could be with the younger ones and it all came to a head about a week before Joel passed I just exploded and I I didn't explode on him because he was upstairs asleep <laughs> um I just got so frustrated that I started crying and I just told his parents like if he doesn't get it together, I'm going to pack up our kids and I'm going to move to Atlanta with my mom and my sister for the rest of the summer. And we'll come back at the end of the summer before school starts. But he needs to get it together. I will give him the time and the space that he needs to get it together. Because I said at this point, I would get more help from my mother and my sister than I'm getting from my husband who is knows that I need his help and is and is upstairs asleep. It's just he's upstairs asleep. So I had that talk with his mom and his dad and just told them like I cannot do this. I cannot do this. So the same night that the same day that I told his parents I can't do this with him or do this with him anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. Um, Joel was outside smoking a cigarette and I went outside to talk to him. This was literally a week before he passed. And I, I didn't cry. I didn't, re- I didn't raise my voice. I calmly told him that I don't know what is going on with you, but the last three months, I have felt like I have been talking to a brick wall. No matter what I tell you, no matter how I tell you, you are just not understanding. You're not hearing me, and I don't know what else to do. I don't know if, I don't know what else to do. Like, I I was trying. I was really trying. Like, 
we weren't, I, I was at, not only was he, were you, was he not helping me with the kids, but me and him weren't spending any time together. Y'all, I don't even like my, my drink of choice is wine. I'm very lightweight. Joel was bringing home bottles of tequila like once a week and just to spend time with him, just to, you know, sit and have a conversation with him. I was taking shots of tequila with him just to spend some time together because we weren't spending any time together. And when we were spending time together, it was tense because I was pissed because he wasn't helping me. Um, but anyway, so the night, the, that night, after I talked to his parents, I talked to him and basically told him, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm running out of patience. And I told him the same thing I told his parents. I said, at this point, I could go to Atlanta for the rest of the summer while you figure out what it is that you want. And I would get more help from my mom and my sister with the kids than than the help I'm getting from you. You know, I, I asked him. I was like, do you just not want this anymore? Like, do you just, do you just not want to be married anymore? Do you just, you just want to be single? Like you, cause he had checked out. He had completely checked out of our life together. He had checked out of the kids' lives. He had checked out of our life. He just, he had checked out. Um, and he just, he just seemed like, it just seems like he didn't want us anymore. Like he just didn't want to be a family anymore. He just wanted to be, he just wanted it to be him. You know, and he said that that's not what he wanted. And I remember him saying, it's not that, it's just, and then he never finished his sentence. And I didn't make him finish the sentence because at that point I was so tired that I didn't care what it was. Just fucking get it together. I didn't care. You know, I was if you just I was at the point where I was like, look, tell me what it is that you want so that I can make plans. I was like, if you want a divorce, if you don't want to be together anymore, if this is your way of letting me know that you're unhappy, let me know so that I can get the fuck out of here. Let me know so that I can make arrangements for me and our children. Let me know so that I know what I need to do. So that I can know my next step. And he said that that wasn't it. And that he still wanted our family. And that he didn't want us to leave. And that was it. He hugged me. He apologized. And I said, okay. And I figured it would get better. And it, it, it did to a certain extent. And I thought maybe, okay, this might be the turning point. Maybe he finally hears me like that. I'm not fucking around with you. I will pack up me and our children and I will leave. So the following week was, it was okay. It was better than it had been. Still not the best. Um, his sleeping schedule was still all fucked up. 
but he was trying and I was like okay maybe this will get maybe this will get a little better so the night before he passed away he had made everybody dinner and um we we all had dinner together and I think he had given the kids a bath and had put them in the bed. Greer was still awake because it was summer and she was out of school. So, um, of course, she was staying up late. Greer's a night out. And he told me that um, I had, I, had <laughs> I remember I had taken a Benadryl because of my allergies. And I was starting, I was sitting on the couch and I had started to get sleepy. And he said that he had two of his friends were coming over. Um, and I was like, I thought that they were just stopping by and they came and they knocked on the door and I was like, oh, wait, they're like coming in the house. I thought he was just going outside because I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that they were just coming to pick up like some, some weed from him. Um, but I, or some weed that he had picked up for them. I, um, I didn't think that they were coming in and I was exhausted so I was like, oh, wait, they're, they're coming in the house. And he was like, yeah, they're coming to like hang out. I said, well, you didn't tell me that. So I was like, I look a mess and I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And he was like, who cares? You're at home. So I was just like, no, I'm going to go upstairs. So I said hi and um, I went upstairs and went to bed. And, um, I texted Joel. I remember texting him and being like, I guess, I guess good night, you know, I guess good night. And he was just like, come back downstairs. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't want to come back downstairs. I was like, I'm tired. And I didn't think we were like hanging out. And he was like, it's fine. And I was like, no, it's not fine. And I was just irritated. I was just tired and irritated. He didn't tell me they were hanging out. I thought that it would be an opportunity for me and him to hang out. And it ended up not being that so I just had attitude so I was just like I'm just going to bed and he said okay I love you and I said I love you too um so I remember him at this point Joel was basically sleeping on the couch like he had been sleeping on the couch for three months and the only time he would come upstairs and go to bed was after I was downstairs in the living room with all the kids and it got too loud for him to sleep on the couch he would come upstairs and go to sleep in the bed. So I remember him getting in the bed and I think it was light outside. Um, so I was like, I think it was, I think the, I think, yeah, I think, I don't think it was dark anymore. Um, and Greer, our youngest was sleeping on the floor cause she had asked to be, cause she sleep in our room and I told her, okay, but she's she's too big to sleep in the bed with us so she has to when she comes in here she you know makes herself a pallet on the floor and she sleeps on the floor um so I woke up it was June 18th I woke up that morning went downstairs and got my nephews and Joel was asleep in the bed when I woke up and Greer was on the floor and um, around 10 o'clock, my nephews got here at like 8, 
around 10 o'clock, I came upstairs to wake Joel up because I needed help um, with the little ones. And when I came upstairs, he was on the floor next to Greer. And I kept trying to wake him up and be like, why are you on the floor? Joel, get up. I need help. Why are you on the floor? And he was just kind of like grumbling at me, like, you know, leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. And I finally was like, Joel, get up. And he was like, what? And I got upset because of how he answered me. And I like slammed our bedroom door and was like, you are so fucking useless. So, so mad at myself for saying that to him. But I was just angry. I went back downstairs with the babies and um, 12 o'clock I gave them lunch 1 o'clock was nap time and everybody would go down for a nap and my son has his own bedroom so and my, 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 to my daughters they share a room and my, my oldest nephew he would sleep he had a a crib set up in our room and I would put him in our room to take his nap and my youngest nephew would sleep in a you know a pack and play in the living room because you know he was a baby baby so I would stay in the living room with him in case he woke up and it was one o'clock I came upstairs and I put Charlie down on the bed and went to go wake Joel up so that he could come out of the room so that Charlie could sleep. And um, I remember looking over, Joel's still on the floor. I remember looking over and I don't know why, but for some reason I looked at his hands. And I was... I remember asking myself, why are his hands blue? And it's like it happened in slow motion. It's like I slowly looked up his arms and then looked at his face. And there was a pool of blood next to his head and I just started screaming just grabbed him by the arm and I started screaming oh my god Joel get up please get up and I was pulling on his arm and pulling on his arm and he just wouldn't get up and I turned around to go back downstairs and grab one of his parents 
to come upstairs and his dad was actually already on his way up the stairs. I could see him coming up the stairs from my bedroom. And his dad came in the bedroom and he looked at Joel and his eyes got really big. And he looked at me and he said, take Charlie, go downstairs, call 911. downstairs Joel's mom was at the bottom of the stairs and she said can somebody please tell me what's going on and I said I think Joel is dead (laughs) came down the stairs the rest of the way I put Charlie in the living room with my mother-in-law my mother-in-law called 911. My father-in-law was also on the phone with 911. My father-in-law was upstairs with Joel, and 911 operator was telling him to do CPR. I stayed downstairs. The kids were in the living room with my mother-in-law. Um, I remember the ambulances coming and everybody just going upstairs into our bedroom and the police were there and they were asking me a lot of questions and I guess maybe I started to look sick because I remember one of the police officers saying let's go outside and I went outside and I was in in front of the front door and just answering their questions and crying and trying to stay as calm as I could. Um, They were there for, they were here for about 30 minutes. I was still standing outside still standing outside when they left and I knew he was gone they had a when I was standing outside they had a gurney set up in front of our front door um I everyone that I saw pile in started to pile out and I saw them bringing everything out with them but nobody was grabbing the gurney and I knew he was gone. They they really didn't need to tell me the fact that they weren't grabbing the gurney and they were bringing the oxygen and everything that they took upstairs with them. They were bringing it back down. Um, I knew he was gone. <laughs> um, everything after that is kind of a blur. Finding someone that you love 
like that. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I just wish that Joel would have told me how bad it had gotten for him because I didn't know and his parents didn't know and I don't know if maybe he didn't tell us because he was ashamed or if he thought he had a handle on it or he thought he had a grip on it he thought that it wouldn't get out of hand but I knew he was struggling I just didn't know how bad until it was too late I've always been an advocate for mental health you know I like I said I I struggle with anxiety um so I I, I, and because because of my own you know mental health issues with with anxiety I um I've always been a big proponent for therapy and if you need medication for you know your mental health issues then you know get on that medication um I'm even more of an advocate for it now because of Joel's death Nobody should have to die because of complications with mental health issues. Because essentially, that is really what killed Joel. You know, he struggled with bipolar disorder and he self-medicated. You know, so people like to call it people can say it's an accidental overdose all they want to hell I was one of the people that was saying that it was an accidental overdose and it was it was it was an accidental overdose but it was it was an accidental overdose brought on by the complications of mental health if you are within earshot of my voice. Please, and if you are struggling with anxiety, depression, any kind of mental health issues, bipolar, please get help. I don't want I don't want anyone else to feel or to know the kind of pain that I'm in.
you know, or the kind of pain that my kids are going to have to deal with as they grow up and as they meet new people, you know, and people who don't know the story of their dad and ask them, you know, why don't you have a dad? Where's your dad? And they have to, you know, tell them that their dad died. My youngest kids won't even remember their dad. All they'll have are stories and pictures and I fucking hate that for them. You know, I feel feel so bad for my in-laws because it goes against the law of nature for a parent to have to bury a child so if you're struggling with mental health issues and you are self-medicating or if you know someone who's struggling with mental health issues and they're self-medicating just please try to get them some help please try to convince them to get some help I don't want anybody else to know how this feels (laughs) that's all I got ain't got no more you guys have a good night thanks for listening bye